0: Hello everybody, I'm Lou Dobbs and welcome to The Great America Show. We'll be taking up the battle for the Speaker of the House, pitting Rhino Kevin McCarthy and the Rhino rest against Congressman Andy Biggs and the best of the rest as they contend for the speakership. And of course there's the chair of the RNC, Ronna McDaniel. She's been losing since she took the job. President Trump made what I'm sure he would call a mistake. When he kept her as chair going into the midterm elections. No matter, she keeps losing and she keeps grinning. I like her personally, but Republicans have got to grow up. It is time for effective, original, energetic, committed leadership in the RNC. And yes, I know Ronna McDaniel is the perfect tool for the GOP establishment. Read Rhino. And that is exactly the problem. But if she stays, the Republicans have again sold themselves cheap and they've sold themselves out. They might as well sign up for a Marxist Dem ID card. And the same goes for Kevin McCarthy. If he's still Speaker, something wicked will follow. Republicans must overcome themselves and their silly idea that somehow the Marxist Dems don't really mean to destroy them and the Republic because they do and the GOP is only helping in their own demise at the hands of the Marxist Dems, the establishment elites, global corporatists, and the deep state. Despite all the conflict and contention, we have remarkable clarity at least in this moment. We know, no matter what the corporatist media says, that our president is a pretend leader, an impaired 80-year-old who is massively confused in most public moments and takes vacations that add up to three months out of each year so far. That is the president the Marxist Dims would have us pretend is perfectly normal. We have clarity on all that, don't we? We have a Marxist Dim cabal driving the Democrat Party, running the White House, and they are the masters of our puppet president. What could possibly go wrong? We also have clear, certain knowledge of the madness that the Marxist Dems have unleashed in our nation's capital. A $31 trillion national debt, vast deficits for years to come, and the interest the government must pay for all of that rising debt is crippling, 50% higher now than a year ago to service that debt. And last month's federal spending amounted to a record half trillion dollars in one month, a half trillion trillion dollars. The monthly deficit last month soared to a record quarter trillion dollars. We're all watching folks a fiscal train wreck and it's not in slow motion and it's far from over. So hang on we've got at least two more years of madness ahead of us at least. One of the few people trying to bring sanity to the swamp is our guest today. He's Russ Vogt. He's former director of the OMB and the Trump administration A great American, he's building an important D.C. think tank, the Center for Renewing America. That center is addressing some of the biggest issues of our time. Fiscal responsibility in the federal government, ending runaway illegal immigration, pun intended. Border security, stopping sex trafficking and smuggling of deadly drugs, especially fentanyl. Runaway inflation that is crippling our middle class and all who aspire to it and, of course, small business, and restoring integrity to the FBI and the Department of Justice and our judiciary. Total government reform is required now. Russ vote. great to have you back with us here on The Great America Show, Russ. We're all watching this great drama play out in the nation's capital, the fight for the speakership between Congressman Andy Biggs and Kevin McCarthy, at least right now, and the fight for the soul of the Republican Party. How do you think all of
1: this plays out? Well, I do think it's a battle for the heart and soul of the party and the conservative movement because, uh, as you know, the America First agenda uh, is something that, in, with President Trump not being in office, the establishment would lo- very much like to move on from. And right now, Congress would like to move on from it as well, and we need a speaker that is that fully understands with it, accepts it, sees it as the corrective that it was and wants to have an agenda for house republicans that is actually over the target about where the country's, uh, where the country views the most critical issues right now and so i, I view kevin mccarthy as uh the, the 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 definition symbolically of what the cartel is he is he is the cartel speaker we need a paradigm shifting speaker if you had said if the Republicans had a red wave, this would not have been an opportunity. It's now an opportunity. And thankfully House conservatives appear to be seizing it. And I am I, not willing to predict that he won't be the speaker, but I don't see the math for him. He lacks the 218 votes and I don't know how he's gonna get it. So I think that this is gonna be something that we are increasingly seeing good results from, but this is a moment that we're not gonna get very often and we've got to seize it. I think you're exactly right. Uh, If there had been the red tsunami, uh, there would have
0: been few options available. But instead, we now know uh, the role of Kevin McCarthy in in many of these races, Uh, and we know the role certainly of Mitch McConnell uh, and the relationship with Karl Rove, campaigning actively against Republican candidates, running attack ads on them, Uh, and uh, in the case of Mitch McConnell, actually supporting uh republican opponents uh, it, this is outrageous, and it's never to my knowledge it's never been it's been discussed uh in background i would say in the swap, but now it's right out in front. We know who these people are uh and 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 rove attacking a former republican president outright,
1: yeah, I mean they're not making any bones about where their allegiances are they They want to turn the page on an entire movement. and President Trump represents that movement because um, he is someone that saw certain things that the entirety of the Republican side, including the conservative movement, was not talking about and and led a movement to change that. And that's very uh, destabilizing to the cartel and to the status quo. And we have very few leverage points, and that's really what the, for me this is all about. Is uh, I get I get asked all this all the time about leverage points, the debt limit, the appropriations process, and they're all leverage points. But it, unless you have a leadership that actually seizes these opportunities, you're just ca- kind of just talking and being able to to criticize. When you, in, in, if you're given an opportunity to change things, you've got to seize that opportunity with everything you got, and and. That's what we're trying to do at our center uh, and being able to educate the the members, the country, about the fundamentals of this vote. And we did that right after the election, and it is coming true. The mainstream media, the Hill Rags, are now starting to grapple with the reality that he has no path. Um, And so conservatives in the House are in the driving seat, and I hope they continue to make wise decisions about how they play the next few weeks.
0: Well, the the strategizing, I suppose, is at a fever pitch right now, uh, from K Street to, <laughs> right into the into the House floor uh, and the offices beyond. Uh, it, it's a it's a very interesting moment because the the re- it's it's very clear, I think, to the public now that what the Republicans have done for now decades is elect uh, every Republicans, conservatives, uh, America first MAGA uh, representatives to put into the House. And now they want to turn it over to a rhino. Uh, that's the way I think most of America sees it. And what sense does that make? Would, would uh, Democrats go out and suggest that uh, they take, uh, I don't know, Scott Perry, uh, to be their speaker. I, this is madness what the Republican conference
1: does. And how do you break this sickening absurdity? It is it is, it is maddening. It is the extent to which um, the real enemy for the establishment is always, you know, the conservatives fighting in the House or the Senate. Um, and, and my belief is that the end result of this must be to have a true power-sharing dynamic with the House conservatives who treat themselves not as backbenchers but as a coalitional partner, like you would see in another country where the, you know, perhaps the the leading part of that coalition does not get to make all the decisions, nor does the minority partner, but they do not move without consulting each other and moving in tandem as with great respect. And what has not existed in this town is respect for the voters of the Republican Party, the voters and the activists of the conservative movement, certainly the activists of the America First movement, and that has to change. And I think that's what this needs to lead to. And my my hope is that Kevin McCarthy is rejected out of hand because he's the cartel speaker, and that they essentially put out a power sharing arrangement with control of the rules committee, which is essential to ensure control of the floor to be able to then say, all right, who's willing to accept this on our terms and then go from there. That's my hope for where we go from here. Uh, in the meantime, a lot of work needs to be done uh, to be able to put out the notion of what the the cartels basically going out there and saying think Possibilities that are not real possibilities. That you know, they're trying to scare conservatives to saying Democrats will vote for a moderate or moderates will vote for a a, a Democrat. None of those things are going to happen. And the 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 way that you know it is that it's the Kevin McCarthy people that are putting it out there. Uh, and right now there's <laughs> there's there's too many people in conservative ink right now that are falling for it. And we've got to put that those fires out there. But Um, we're ahead of schedule in this fight and I think we're making a lot of progress.
0: Yeah. The Mark Levin's in media who are sitting here saying you've got to have Kevin McCarthy. It's as if they have been suddenly, and I think Mark Levin is a a bright and, and terrific guy, but where he gets the idea that there should be a seating of authority is the first act of having won the majority is, is maddening to me. Uh, and it is representative of all of the folly that has preceded by decades, as I said, the Republican Party, and it's one of the reasons the swamp not only exists and survives, but it is thriving. Uh, I, I would like to, to, to take up this issue uh, of a, of a uh, what would be a, an agenda for whomever, uh, is to step uh, forward as the leader of this pluralistic Congress uh, that you're envisioning.
1: Yeah, I think the agenda needs to be rallied, to be centered about what I call a return to self-government. And the reason we don't have self-government in this country is that uh, the, the regime is both woke and weaponized against the American people. And too many of of our policymakers don't understand it's a regime it's not just uh it, it, it there's a hard edge to it uh it's woke it's funding gay pride ev- uh, pr- gay pride events in prague it's funding the training of lgbt activists in senegal it's funding uh the the training of marxist education in our universities so that they then go as teacher training funds into our schools to create and recruit young marxist revolutionaries for a true cultural revolution and it's weaponized it is it's not just the national security apparatus although it is with the fbi with the nsa surveillance but it's agencies like the the epa and the department of interior where the interior denies uh, the renewal license for an oyster company so that they go out of business or putting a 70 70 year old navy veteran in jail for building four or for constructing four ponds on his ranch land that's the that's the tenor of what the american people are now finding and i think the agenda needs to be first and foremost going at that concept with every fiber there being and and building an america first agenda around that so you're touching on the border issues the trade issues the the uh, the the issues to, to, with regard to our manufacturing, the ability to scale f- towards the, the the fight with China, all of these things come out of the central recognition that our policy needs makers need to have about what time it is in this country, and you have a different agenda when you're answering that question versus where we were with 1990s or where we were in the 1980s.
0: Let me ask you: You've used the expression "regime." You've used the the word "cabal." Do you have a uh, adjective precedent uh, to give us a better idea of what cabal, what uh,
1: regime we're speaking of here? Yeah, I mean it's the it is the governing authorities, and it's not just the government. It is the government. It's the 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 nonprofits that are part of the. Uh, revolving door. It's the institutions. It includes the media, the cultural high ground. It is the ideas. Uh, it is the paradigms. And so it's really the, uh, the governing apparatus that has put into place that which controls us as the American people. And it explains when you understand this, you understand how could... The president of the United States been in the in office and yet not control the Department of Justice. It helps you understand uh, why is it that Congress, congressional leaders have so much power through the administrative state, these in the president does not. And so uh, we don't have just an Article One problem. We don't have just an Article Two problem. We have a a an, a massive overall blending of the two. Of, of kind of an administrative state an imperial Congress, but it's really just the, the imperial nature comes from the, the leadership and, and the rest is largely um, uh, largely put on the back bench to not be able to do any kind of policy entrepreneurship. When I get when I talk about the cartel, what I'm really getting at is the extent to which uh, there is a bipartisan establishment that uh, is largely views the same things same paradigm, same viewpoints. The Republican part of it doesn't want to ever accomplish the policy objectives that they communicate to their voters that they largely hate um, if it's going to do anything to destabilize their power and make it slightly less risky. So I think on our issues, there's a supermajority out there of Democrats, Independents, and Republicans, but the party that we've had, the establishment that we've had, never lets it get to that point, because they know that these issues in, are cartel-busting, and so their job is to manage away from these fights instead of managing toward them, because not only what—they might be successful and accomplish our policy objectives, but they will certainly have more risk, and that is something that, that you know, President Trump was always willing to have manageable risk. And as a result, he was a successful politician, a successful president. He could take a punch and he could punch back. These are politicians that have largely grown up, not wanting to ever punch. They just want calm waters at sea. And unfortunately, you don't go anywhere with, with calm waters that you see, you need a little bit of wind. Yeah, they think
0: one way to express it, uh. Is that they want absolute control? They don't want dissidents. Yeah. Uh, they don't want any kind, will brook no kind of resistance to their agenda. And, and that takes me to to an issue that I I'm curious about your thinking, because you said can't a president can't control his justice department? Well, President Trump could not, but we're watching President Biden control it absolutely. So the question becomes one when we talk about control, particularly the Justice Department, it means is there, first and foremost, alignment between the Justice Department, FBI uh, complex and the White House? Or is there absolute revolution, dissidence, and resistance in the case of Trump between the deep state, the administrative state, and the White House? I think that those are the, I think those are the uh, fair descriptions of what the difference was uh, rather than some sort of uh, template uh, that we could lay over each one.
1: Right, and I think that's the complexity of it, right? Is that you had a president that really was not a part of the governing regime. He was the elected, me- elected head of the executive branch for sure. But in terms of those governing paradigms and set of expectations, uh, we saw what happened. You had a Department of Justice and an FBI that essentially participated in a coup d'état to destabilize him, get him removed from office, and that's not what we see under the Biden administration. That is fully uh, part and parcel of that governing regime, and I think that's what makes this moment so difficult. Is is the it 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 to the outside world there is certain uh, logic to it, but it is not uh the e- easiest thing to align on the board as to from an institutional yeah. standpoint to figure out how to to fix this and 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 so our organization has been hard at work to help educate the country on where where things are uh, but you kind of need a very granular contextual ability and you need perspective to kind of get some height to figure out where where are we and and what needs to be done
0: uh, and I applaud
1: everything you're doing.
0: I have a, I have a, a question that I think, though, is also again uh, fundamental here. Can Republicans and conservatives ignore the fact that this country is under attack by the Marxist Dems, who make up the Deep State, the administrative state, uh, the Marxist Dem Party? First, don't we have to attack those institutions that have been weaponized, politicized to the point of utter corruption? Uh Or all else will be for not.
1: I agree with you, Lou. I think that's the central uh penning that needs to be dropped with our policymakers and our our, our elites is on the on the right. Is that um, you can't have this notion of of just being able to kind of on a bicameral ability to work with the other side, like Tip O'Neill and Ronald Reagan. That's just not what we're dealing with. Uh, we're dealing with Uh, stone-cold Marxists, and we've got to go after where they're being funded in the federal government. We've got to take away the benefits that they have long relied on. We need to challenge paradigms about uh, where and how, from a public policy standpoint, we can address these issues. I'm specifically referring to big tech or uh, or changing how much money is going to schools or universities or thinking that these are some kind of islands of free thought when they're not. They're about Marxist training. Um, there's a whole set of policy options that flow downstream from the fundamental recognition of the question you asked. And if we don't adopt that, that kind of uh, that, that realistic view, we're going to continue to be uh, frustrated by the policy debates and options that are are, are given to us by our statesmen.
0: I know you've got great ideas, great plans, and a great agenda to constrain federal spending, to uh, reduce the budget uh, dramatically. Uh, can any of that be done without that beta confrontation between the, for want of a better word, the Republican Party and, and the Marxist Party recognized broadly as the
1: Democrat Party? Mm-hmm. One of the things that we're trying to do with the budget that we just put out uh, is really meant to be a framework from an America first perspective for all of the budget battles that come is we're trying to provide the moral high ground for conservatives to fight budget battles. Previously, most of the budget debates would be about affordability. Well, you know, you, you can't spend this much money in a given year, but we both agree on these two programs as opposed to changing it so that we fundamentally get a sense of what do we want to spend money on and what don't we want because they're ruining our committees or our, our communities. I want to spend on a huge Navy. That's one of the things that I think is vital from, uh, from the standpoint of our country. I want to, Agreed. I want to have a lot. I want to have strong uh, and robust nuclear modernization. That's something that I think is vital. On the other hand, I don't want to spend money on, on HUD subsidies that ruin communities and a whole fair housing network that, is designed to push uh, the notion that single-family zoning and neighborhoods with single-family homes are a problem and we're going to then have upzoning where you have more and more apartment buildings and duplexes and things like that that just change the credibility of the neighbor that change the the nature of the neighborhood and if in my neighborhood arlington virginia very liberal this is the most bipartisan of issues everyone's opposed to upzoning it's an example of let's actually figure out Section 8 housing spreads crime and lower property values. And yet this is largely something that conservatives have, would have run away from. Our belief is that that's, this is something you go into and you say, no, we want to cut this spending and we want to be able to fund stuff that we like, in real infrastructure, real uh, uh, expansion in the the naval fleet. So this is something that is, in our view, is paradigm shifting is that We can't approach our budget battles just from the standpoint of an accounting or an austerity basis. Let's be honest with what we want to spend money on, and let's defund what the left wants to spend money on based on our recognition about its impact on the country. And then the other paradigm that we're really trying to shift is stop focusing on cul-de-sac of entitlements social security and and medicare retirement this has been notion that the only way you can be a serious fiscal reformer is to take on those two issues when there is a lot of bureaucracy and changes to welfare that are also mandatory entitlement spending that you can go after that allows you to balance the budget and oh what be successful be successful on something you have a vote on every year instead of these Things that you don't have a vote on every year, so that's what we're trying to do by injecting some realism, some practicality, and oh, by the way, it's consistent with the most serious and, and direct threats to the country that we face in the immediate moment. And what are the conflicts that needs to be rationalized? At it, uh, small
0: potatoes, I suppose, uh, given the vast expanse of uh, your ambitions. But Democrats want to defund police departments all over the country. But uh, they want to fund that FBI for some reason, Uh, and that's more than a curiosity, isn't it?
1: It is, and it's also interesting. Have you ever the amount of shows on the mainstream media at night on devoted to the FBI? It's like you've got an FBI for every every uh, particular hour on during the week. I mean, the regime clearly understands the degree to which the FBI is 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 understanding of national security, is to protect the regime as opposed to protecting the American people. And that's one of the reasons why in this budget we begin the process of of cutting and restructuring the FBI, getting them back to actually focusing on federal crimes. We actually increase money for federal crimes while dramatically reducing where we think the rot has been, which is in, in the intelligence and the counterintelligence side of the House. And that is something that's a first step, because we think there needs to be a church committee. Another reason we're opposed to, to Kevin McCarthy is he has uh, been unwilling to adopt a church committee to deal and study and have real oversight on the national security apparatus over the next two years. Um, and that what that would show was where the detailed set of reforms that are necessary for us to ensure that this can never happen again and restore the country's Respect and trust for their national security apparatus because that trust has 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 been decimated. Absolutely, and and rationally so, if
0: I may say, Russ, we uh, we appreciate you being with us. We thank you and we uh, applaud everything you're trying to ter- uh, trying to achieve here, and we wish you good luck and Godspeed. Uh, thanks for being with us here on the Great America Show, and God bless you. Thanks, Lou. Appreciate you. Russ vote, President Center for Renewing America, a great American. We love to hear from you. Send us your thoughts to Lou at loudobbs.com. That's Lou at loudobbs.com. Follow me on Twitter and Truth Social at Lou Dobbs. That's at Lou Dobbs on both Twitter and Truth Social. Our guests coming up include Senator Marsha Blackburn, Congressman Bob Good. The Republicans may not be in a civil war but they have a heck of a Cold War going. Have a great weekend. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. God bless you, and may God bless America.